Hi listeners, I'm Ash. And I'm Z. And welcome back to another episode of Mistakes in the Making, a podcast where we just rant about how we feel and somehow you guys enjoy it because y'all have stuck around. So, hi. Hello. Um, <laughs> this week, we're finally gonna talk about Daniel Sloss's Jigsaw episode. Um, I finally watched it, Zara. I'm so happy. And I completely understand why you pushed me to. Like, if you guys haven't seen it, you should totally check it out. It's on Netflix. And it's like an hour long. Yeah. But yeah, can we like dissect it? Because I feel like he was talking to me. <laughs> Basically, the sort of uh, sketch, his comedy sketch was based on this one question that he asked his father when he was like a seven-year-old kid and I think it was like what's the meaning of life and why we all here first of all at seven years old like that's not what I was thinking about I was thinking about like how to get dessert um <laughs> it's a very smart seven-year-old very elite question I have to admit like very, that was very bomb. I'm like Loki I'm like questioning it were you like 13 or seven you know <laughs> Um, but his dad basically like tried to explain it to him using an analogy of like a jigsaw puzzle that stayed with him all his life and he basically said that life is a puzzle and everyone is slowly trying to piece it together with like experience and lessons they've learned to create like the best possible picture but the main problem is that we've all like lost the boxes of our jigsaws so we don't mm-hmm. know what image we're trying to create we're just like i get like trial and error guessing and trying to make everything fit and we're just blindly going into it and like starting off with the corner pieces which is you know our job our family and then we just kind of mm-hmm. have to work our way in the middle and what would be in the middle of the puzzle according to his dad So his dad basically said that it's your partner who completes you and makes you whole. So those are the missing pieces. And it's sort of like, so Daniel sort of thought about that all his life. And he was like, basically taught that you have to be with someone in order to be whole and complete which is also what we've been taught since a young age absolutely through like every movie we've seen every like fucking children's book we've read like and they lived happily ever after you know like you need that to be happy and through the like through the skit he was just like questioning what we do to make us feel like we're complete but how in the process of like settling for someone just for the heck of like filling all the pieces we're sort of like losing ourselves mm-hmm. essentially throughout the entire episode he had some really big vendetta against vegans <laughs> and then he explained at the very end that he dated this woman for a really long time and she was like very controlling and manipulative and he was so taught to believe that you have to be with someone to be complete that he would change mm-hmm. aspects of his life to please her because that's what we've been taught you know if, you, if your partner's not happy with you change yourself Mm -hmm. that's literally what he was doing because his dad taught him from such a young age that the partner piece of the puzzle is the most Mm -hmm. important piece and should be at the center of your life yeah so yeah he like stopped chatting with like his really good friends he was telling everyone he was happy even when he wasn't and Mm. he was really just like not being himself and then also 
side note, she was a vegan. And that explains his <laughs> vendetta against vegans now. So he basically realized at as like a 30 year old that like his whole life was basically wrong and a lie. And his mm-hmm. dad was like right in his own way because his dad is like very obsessed with his mom and loves her so much. So yeah. of course for the dad, mm-hmm. it makes sense that the, what he loves most is the center of his universe, the center of his puzzle, which is his mom. But the reality mm-hmm. is what we should be doing is to take something that we love, not necessarily a person. It could be like a hobby, a passion, a job, um, and make that the center of our life, not like a person necessarily. Yeah. So he basically said all in all that like, like you basically need to love yourself first and then let someone love you. Because if you love yourself 20% and someone comes along and gives you like a 30%, you'd be like, oh my God, that's so much more than I love me. Like this is the person for me. And then, you know, if they try to like start changing the other 70% of you, which is shit that you're probably already insecure of, it's just like basic manipulation. And where is that going to leave you like five years down the line? Like you won't be who you are. So I think essentially like you just have to be sure of yourself first before you like let someone in and share that with them. And I, I feel like this applies to like friends and family as well. Because there's so many like friends that try to like manipulate you into like being someone else. And a lot of toxic yeah. families do the same. I fully agree with that. And I, and I also feel like we're conditioned to kind of be people pleasers syncing after like the oh, previous 100%. episode we did. Yeah. And then when you have people pleasing tendencies, you often just try mm-hmm. to like change who you are so that you can fit mm-hmm. someone else's version of an ideal. Yeah, essentially. So I was like thinking about this. So as you guys already probably know by now, I've been single for like the past six months and I feel like this is the first time in my life where I'm actually like single as fuck. So this episode really resonated and I sort of Google like how to like feel more whole because I feel like all of us are like in the pursuit of happiness or whatever on our different paths and all. But like how do we know when we're like complete and whole? Because I've always like felt like I'm so like self-realize and I have it all together even when I don't I just convince myself that I am and I feel like all of us are guilty of doing that at some point I don't know really yeah I feel like on occasion I'm just kind of like I don't have my shit together but it's just making peace with the fact that I'm never gonna feel whole until I'm like 70 and I've basically done most of what I have to do in life you know (laughs) actually no even then I'll probably be like oh I wish I'd done this I wish I'd done that yeah yeah yeah. older people are either like filled with regret sadly or they're like still wanting to complete things like Mm -hmm. you know they take up so many new things when they're old and I just I don't I don't know if we'll ever be whole I feel like okay so you know how we always say fake it till you make it yes I've come to realize that sometimes I just fake having it like all together And like, I just pretend like I've got control of my life when in Mm -hmm. reality, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening, you know? Dude, same, because I feel (sighs) like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know what I mean? It is. I try to like manifest shit. Like if I pretend that Mm -hmm. it's all together and like in one straight line, the line will have to just form, you know? 
Yeah, dude, honestly, sometimes like I pretend so much that I'm like a confident person who knows what they're doing. When the reality yeah. is I'm just like a hot mess. And then like, I don't know. And then it turns out I just am. And I figure shit out. It's weird. I don't know if I would call that manifestation though, because I feel like nowadays on like TikTok and Instagram, there's like a really toxic version of manifestation, which is kind of like the reason why you suck as a person is because you are just not manifesting hard enough. And I'm like, bro, that like completely <laughs> ignores like systemic issues yeah. and like yeah. just literally like traps that are there to put like marginalized mm-hmm. groups in oppressed positions. And I'm just like, oh, mm. this is just kind of shit. I don't want to hear about your manifestation bullshit. And it's kind of like, oh, the reason why you don't own a Ferrari is because you're just not working hard enough. And I'm like, dude, you need to shut up. Stop doing this stuff. So yeah. I feel like, yeah, I'm yeah. getting a bit annoyed with the word manifestation now because that's all I see on my in explore page on Instagram and on TikTok and stuff. Bro, nah. The algorithm needs to change. Like, that's just, I feel like, privilege speaking to, like, manifest, like, a Ferrari and shit. Like, that's not what manifestation should be about like yeah. you can't manifest material things like that's just a concept i don't get dude yeah and i feel like more importantly what they're doing is they're literally preying on a person's vulnerability hopes and dreams to get views and boost their profiles on the algorithm mm-hmm. because they the, in the comment section they'll be like oh leave a comment if you agree or watch this two times or send it to three friends if you want it to be true and of course people want it to be true and i'm like dude you're just like really artificially getting inflated on the explore page and on the algorithm because of like all this Gosh. like dumb bullshit and it's just like and like the reader will be like oh if you really want a ferrari and you want to manifest it just send it to 10 people <laughs> gosh i feel like this younger generation now will have a lot to figure out when they're older do that way i'm kind of happy that we were like right on the cusp of technology yeah yeah that's so true so i was watching this episode and my mom was like in and out of my room and so this mm-hmm. uh skit episode whatever stand up it has like a lot of like dark humor right so like a lot of like death humor. jokes and shit and i was just like laughing and my mom was like oh you find that funny like and i was like yeah just like where's your sense of humor you know like it's not like as serious it's like just dark humor like laugh and she just didn't like get it yeah and i was just thinking about us like our entire generation uses dark humor to like cope with stress and like anxiety and depression all the time like that's our go-to coping mechanism like cards of humanity it's like when i see my friends and like how they answer i'm like everyone has a fucking dark mind i love it though how do you think dark humor helps you i really think that dark humor at times can just be a little bit of a way to express yourself because oftentimes topics like anxiety and like depression stress can be really really heavy so when you lace it Mm -hmm. with dark humor it at least allows you or allows me in a way to tell my friends that this is how i'm feeling or that you know i need space today because i'm just overwhelmed mentally and need a day to clear things up and then also Mm-hmm. laughter is laughter and like in school we would always learn that laughter is the best <laughs> medicine to the point where our teachers told us that there was a man who like was seriously diagnosed in like the hospital with like every disease on the planet and he just went home and watched comedy videos and laughed and then he cured himself and mm-hmm. doctors were like astounded that's actually something that my second grade teacher told me i'm not even joking <laughs> thank god you were in a different class ashna you got a better quality of education <laughs> 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was a good example. Like something really fucked up. Like a teacher teaching you misinformation. Just dark humor <laughs> helps you like explain it to people. And it also, it's just fun to laugh at the end of the day. Yeah, fair enough. Also, I remember I saw this documentary once um, on the Holocaust and there was one of the survivors and they were asked, you know, how did you get through those times? And his answer was like humor. Like he would just make jokes about the situation he mm-hmm. was in and everyone was in. And obviously a lot of like death and like dark humor. And he said, because I could make fun of my situation, it helped me like get over the feeling like he could just like laugh it off even though it wasn't funny and I feel like that's what we do with dark humor like some point like we find humor in like the dark insecure parts of our lives almost sometimes and it's like the perfect defense mechanism like I swear therapists will like use humor to also like help their like patients to see multiple perspectives of situations you know what I mean like yes, absolutely. it's a more positive outlook to a situation that already exists you know it's just about yeah. how you want to deal with it and daniel sloss was like oh my god like it's not dark humor i have stuff that's way darker this is just the way that <laughs> i can explain really horrible things to you and he gave us like a life lesson about love about building a future for yourself about mm-hmm. unlearning mistakes from your past in like mm-hmm. an hour and we were so entertained by it because it was laced with so much humor yeah i mean now i'm judging less those old nana nannies in the park laughing just putting their hands up you know <laughs> you know who i'm talking about yeah. i've like always found that so creepy but now i'm like it's kind of fun like you just meet to laugh that's a good morning you know like I feel yeah. like we should be a part of that at some point. I mean, let's let's give it a couple of decades, Ashna. <laughs> Fair I enough. don't give up yet. <laughs> I'm really happy that you took the time out to watch it. If you enjoyed Jigsaw, he has another one called X, which is the mm. stand-up special he did before, which is, again, a really dark topic. But yeah, yeah I definitely would suggest that if your mom didn't like this, like don't watch it with her. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a very heavy topic, like a trigger warning kind of heavy topic. Ooh, okay. But I would definitely think that it's something that a lot of men should talk about because he talks about his exploration of understanding the difficulties of being women, women facing like sexual assault. Like it's heavy, but he does uh... it in his own really spectacular way. I like that. I really like that. And I feel like even this episode, like through him ridiculing his ex and women, he was still like a feminist. I It's just, I like his humor. I feel like I can't be with someone that wouldn't laugh at, at the same things as me. Yes. Yeah. It's like number one on the list. He has such good values that way. Like he doesn't, yeah. he makes fun of everyone and everything, but he still has like good values embedded into his mm-hmm. content. Yeah, for sure. Oh, also I was thinking about it and I was like, what is the one type of humor that I hate? And I feel like it's like self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I feel like when you make a joke about 
yourself and like an insecurity you have it might be a coping mechanism but the fact that other people laugh at it and that sort of like makes you feel better just like reinforces your insecurity i see what you mean you know like no one's laughing like with you it's more like at you and i just don't appreciate it i feel like there's a fine line like if you just complain about like everything in your life and it's like self-deprecating then mm. it's a bit fucked up and it's a bit weird but like say if there's like if there's something like extremely obvious like i remember this one time my friend had gotten like fully like a little bit like cheated on and dumped by his girlfriend and he didn't see us for like a week and then he came back to our like group this was freshman year in college and he was just kind of like it was a bit awkward because like you know we were like oh we're so sorry and we don't want to say shit at the same time and then he just made like a really self-deprecating joke about his life and it was just like it cut the tension and made it all like so much easier like yeah i get Mm. it when people are like constantly self-deprecating it's awful but when there's like an elephant in the room it just makes things easier yeah of course I meant like in terms of like you know I read this article about this one guy who identified as like the fat friend Mm -hmm. and he spent years of his life just making like fat jokes like when it's about the insecurities that's so annoying yeah yeah and I'm like even like fat Amy and stuff like I don't find that funny like why is it a character you should laugh at you know I just oh I don't know yeah I, I I see what you mean because if you laugh you agree and it's kind of a trap exactly and if if you make other people laugh at it like subconsciously I'll be like oh they agree as well like they're finding it funny yeah so like this is my truth so instead of like helping someone you know grow out of their insecurity you're just like reinforcing it yeah and you're really just sucks. I don't know it's like a weird thing so yeah that's the kind of humor that I dislike absolutely as well which is why I'm really happy that Daniel doesn't do that yeah (laughs) like he talks about the miseries of his life but not Mm -hmm. in this really self-deprecating way it's a very fine art really when you think about it yeah yeah and he sort of ended with saying that there's nothing wrong in being single and like working on yourself which Which I loved yes someone said it and said it so well apparently he's also like broken up couples that have been like married for a long time he had a very intense monologue at the end where he was like Mm -hmm. there's seven billion people on this planet and if you're unhappy in a relationship why are you staying when you could just go and be with someone else and be happy what is the point of like you know working on it being in love should be easy it should be like breathing air which i kind of like that statement still fucks me up a bit because we're so used to like oh you know compromise in marriage and do everything together yeah. and marriages have tough challenges and like mm-hmm. he's not been in a long-term relationship so i question that sometimes <laughs> but i'm just like i don't know like but he definitely he had this intense monologue and like apparently while he was still on tour he -hmm. broke up like a thousand couples and he was keeping tally and then when the netflix special came out it went to like five digits or something and like people just tweet (gasps) him every day being like yeah you know what i've broken up with my husband i broke up with my wife and it was kind of insane that just his powerful monologue made people question their entire life and all (laughs) the decisions that led them to that point (laughs) i remember him saying that like now all these kids have like two different christmases i'm fucking god (laughs) i was like whoa (laughs) 
It's a bit narcissistic, but I'm into it. <laughs> I love it, honestly. But yeah, dude. Uh, I get what you mean. Like, I was messaging my friend after I saw this because she was, like, begging me to watch it. And I was like, hmm, he's kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he has a girlfriend now. Uh, like, a proper oh. girlfriend. Oh, damn. Can you date me, please? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's, like, properly in, like, a long-term relationship with, like, a normal girl who oh, has, like, a proper him. job. Oh, he figured it out. He found the right pieces. I hope. Let's see. I mean, we uh, stay tuned, I guess. <laughs> but going on a tangent, though, like we were talking about like body dysmorphia and stuff. Um, and it's making me think about Victoria's Secret. Yes. Uh, do you want to chat about that? Well, so recently, Victoria's Secret has completely changed everything about themselves as a company. <sighs> they ditched all the angels. So angels are no longer a thing. They're a thing of a past. And instead, mm-hmm. they've like put their entire $5 billion future on this new concept where they have like seven ambassadors, including Priyanka Chopra, who's going to act as like the ambassadors for Victoria's Secret, the public face, and also as like a board of advisors, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And she sort of like posted like representation matters, like when the news broke. Yeah. Do you feel like they would have done it if the public hadn't boycotted them over the years? No, I don't think they would have. I think what they did for a very long time is that they had their, Mm -hmm. like, finger down on, like, the teenager's 20-year-old market because they were selling a male's ideal version and a male fantasy to women as an unattainable Mm -hmm. goal. And they were like, but if you use our products, you could come a little bit closer to it. Mm -hmm. So they really just like had us locked down. Like what did Victoria's Secret do? They would have like those insane fashion shows. And then of course, social media and Vine at the time was flooded with like, you know, Vines where people were like, oh my God, when you see the fashion show and it's like, I got to go to the gym, I got to do this. And And that was sadly like, what we grew up with um and then when you and i would go abroad we would like go to the victoria secret store on like remember the one on regent street mm-hmm. yes we would see like the actual bras and underwears that the models wore on the runway on a mannequin and then we'd be like wait but look theirs waist is so much slimmer than our 14 year old waist what do we do and we'd freak out yeah their legs are so much longer like their skin is so perfect like not a single stretch mark like not a single fucking back roll like Come on, one back roll. Yep. I just, it was really toxic. It was really toxic for all of us, I think. Yeah. So now that they've like made attempts to rebrand, I think they had like a 25% rise in sales, especially like, you know, around um, Mm -hmm. Mother's Day when they had like a pregnant model in the lingerie. And so apparently it seems like shoppers have been like responding super positively to like this rebrand and their marketing. But like, how do how do you feel about that? I feel like I'm still a little bitter. I'm definitely like resentful towards them because like of the amount of like stress they caused me in my youth. Like I remember like all my friends and I would like see the shows and we'd be like, oh my God, did you see like this model did that? This model did like no eating for like two days straight before this. And it set very unrealistic standards because it normalized like diet and eating disorder culture. 
Exactly. Until about like two, three years ago when I remember Kendall Jenner was like the first thing I do after the runway is eat pizza that I've been craving for so long. And I'm like, just like reinforcing it. Like when you have so many young followers mm-hmm. that are women, you're just telling them not to eat. Yeah. Like, and it's just like, oh, my God. It's very just insane. And I remember Adriana Lima was, she was like the top bitch on all those shows. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like, yeah, it was just insane because she would always do things like she would like not even have water for like 12 hours before just so that she could really like reduce her water weight. And I was like, oh yeah. my God, is that like the standards? And then they had, you know, they actually had like a mini reality TV show during like the seventh or eighth fashion show where they were like oh, really? oh, a regular girl can end up being a part of the victoria's secret fashion show and they like had like six regular girls from the street audition and they were like we'll make you into models but oh, in God. fact all those regular girls were like six foot girls who were like a size zero mm. and then they would all have to do challenges like walk in heels do a barry's boot up boot camp workout and then, like, and then they had two final contestants, took them both to the fashion show, dressed them both up, and then, like, five minutes before the show went live, like, they decided who the final contestant was. So imagine one girl who's, like, fully dressed up in the Victoria's Secret gear and outfit and everything is just told to, like, go home. <sighs> kind of cruel, TVH. Very, very. And this was the same time when, like, America's Next Top Model was, like, a huge thing. Yeah. And, you know, like, the whole Tyra Banks, like, scandal. Um, and She always used to talk about, like, being skinny and, like, oh, I didn't mm-hmm. used to fit into clothes. Designers didn't want to pair with me, blah, blah, blah. But she's still, like, a size two. Yep. And I'm, like, if you've been a victim of this, why are you, like, still perpetuating it? like dude that wasn't that so we need to get into that show in another episode we do we do anyways we have gotten onto a huge tangent but today we chatted about jigsaw and the philosophies behind daniel sloss's madness mm-hmm. and i'm really happy that ash like listened to it and we had such a fruitful conversation about it because if you're in your 20s and you don't know what the fuck to do with your love life this is definitely a must watch and yeah if ashna if you watch like x in the next two weeks we can chat about that so that would be great mm-hmm. um we're also very hesitant about the victoria secret rebrand as you guys can tell but let's see let's see like in a year from now what happens and then we mm-hmm. can discuss whether it was actually fruitful or not because of course when it comes to an immediate change the market's going to respond but long term is this going to be the way one mm-hmm. can only guess that's my marketing genius speaking until next time guys <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.